The medical information communicated in this podcast is of a general educational nature. If you are feeling unwell, please seek the attention of a medical practitioner. Any advertisements promoted throughout the podcast are not endorsed by the presenter or any of the guests interviewed. Hi there, welcome to MediTalk, a medical podcast talking all things medical in a way that you can understand. You're with Danae. Today we are talking about postnatal depression with clinical psychologist Vanessa Matthews from Vivid Psychology in Perth. Vanessa is a registered clinical psychologist who undertook her postgraduate clinical training at Princess Margaret Hospital as well as working at King Edward Memorial Hospital, which is our major women and baby hospital in Perth, and at Elmer Street Centre. Postnatal depression is one of the areas that Vanessa specialises in, so it is a pleasure to be able to speak with her about this very important health condition. It affects approximately 1 in 10 dads and 1 in 7 mums. It is very important we talk and learn about these conditions so we can better recognise them, seek help and treatment from highly qualified people like Vanessa. Today we're going to speak about postnatal depression with Vanessa a clinical psychologist from Vivid Psychology. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me. So first of all, are there different types of depression during and post-pregnancy? Yes, there are. If um, someone's pregnant, they can become depressed during the pregnancy and that's known as antenatal depression. And if someone um, becomes depressed following the birth of the baby, then that's um, known as postnatal depression. Okay. And so how common is it? It's actually very common. Um, Around 9% of of women will become depressed during their pregnancy Mm -hmm. and up to, it it can be up as high as about 15% of women may become depressed postnatally. And is it possible that you might have your first child and not get it and then your second child you may get it? A- absolutely. Um, there's no sort of rhyme or, or reason, reason to it. To it and, and that can be, um, you know, very difficult if you've had, um, if things have gone well with your first baby and yeah. then um, your expectations can be that I should be able to get through with a second baby or subsequent child and, yeah. yeah, so that can be very difficult to deal with. Okay. And what are some symptoms of postnatal depression? Yeah, so, I mean, I think most women sort of expect to get what we call, what's commonly known as the baby blues, which yes. is sort of two to three days after having a baby and everyone's sort of warned about that. Um, when we know it's, it's, it's something more is usually if there's been significantly low mood for at least two weeks. Okay. Often there's feelings of, of hopelessness, um, a lot of negative feelings, a lot of self-doubt, um, sleep can be affected, which is always tricky because sleep's difficult anyway with a yeah. new baby, but it's if you can't sleep even when your baby's sleeping. And lots of sort of ruminating thoughts, so thoughts that just continue on and to on. To go around and to around. To go around and around, yeah. And I suppose it must be hard because you would think, oh, well, this must be normal. Is it normal to feel like this? Do they feel like that or...? it's. I guess when we know that it's it's not normal is is you're not sort of feeling the 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 happiness or or the joy. I mean, parenthood's exhausting anyway, yeah. so it, it can be. And and I think that's where a lot of people sort of miss out on treatment because they put the symptoms down to being this is just a normal part of 
being a new mother. Yeah. I think another significant factor is sometimes sort of fear of not being a good enough mother and, and staying away from the baby or not feeling attached to your baby. That's another um, factor. important factor. Yeah. And what do they think causes it? Uh, this, the hormones during pregnancy and the sudden withdrawal of, of hormones after pregnancy can certainly be um, affect some women more than others. Mm. If there's been a traumatic um, delivery, if there's um, a predisposition, so if there's been a history of, of depression or anxiety in the past, lack of supports, isolation, um, a difficult or unsettled baby, um, um, unrealistic expectations. So mm. sometimes mums are very good at, at expecting a lot of themselves and then feeling like they've failed because they haven't been able to reach those expectations. Yeah. And I was actually reading um, an article uh, on postnatal depression. It was in men actually. And um, how common is that? Because, yeah, I think in our mind when we think about postnatal depression, we always think, oh, it's, it's something that a woman would suffer from. But men also suffer from it as well. Absolutely. And, and it's actually um, quite common, um, uh, you know, around 9 to 10% of men, you know, are, are affected by it. Um, and, you know, sometimes both partners can be affected and... and, and the, the dad may have been, you know, actively supporting his partner while she might have been struggling and sometimes you see dads then falling a heap in, into a heap when mum gets better. It's certainly one of the, the questions that I um, ask my clients when they come in, How how's dad going and we'll often have a joint session with both parents. Yeah, and that's very helpful? Really helpful and just that massive adjustment to, to being a parent. There's also a lot... Parenthood's fan fantastic, but there's also a lot of very difficult parts to being a parent yeah. and a lot of grief attached to the life that you've kind of left behind as yeah, well. Yeah, of course. And is it becoming, um, have you seen over the years of being, being a clinical psychologist that it's either we've got an increased awareness of it or as, as we live faster, more stressful lives, and our expectations are higher and higher, like whether it's on social media and we look at, you know, how other people are doing and they appear to be better. Yeah. Is that sort of making it happen more that we suffer from um, postnatal depression? Yeah, I think I think it's probably a combination of all of those things. Um, you know, I think postnatal depression has always been around, but it, it, it's it's you know. It, People are, are getting better at, at diagnosing it. The awareness is increasing. Yeah. Um, but certainly I think the pressures um, on, on parents adjusting to parenthood has, has um, got higher as well on general expectations. Yeah. Also, you know, Perth in particular I think can be quite an isolating city. Yes. There's a lot of transient people that that, you know, transient in that people move here for their, their work so they don't have the, the social supports of family and, yeah. and friends that um, they may have had if they, you know, they in, in their previous places of residence as well. Yeah, that's true. And so, um, so you were talking about if people have had or suffered anxiety or depression, um, they've got a higher risk of perhaps having postnatal depression? Yes, they have. But interestingly, in, in my experience, um, people that have had 
depression and have an awareness of it um, often have things in place and, and, and are more readily prepared. So I think the women that are, are probably at the greatest risk are those that have never had an, uh, an episode of depression or anxiety um, because they're not expecting it. They don't know. And they know. wouldn't know what it feels like. A- absolutely. Yeah. And, and they can often be very, very sick before they, they get the help that they need. Yeah, right. Um, and so if you're a family member or a friend of someone and you start seeing that they're not their normal self and they're uh, presenting with the symptoms and signs that you've been talking about, what do you think would be something that an observer of someone that of, of watching and observing someone um, going through these feelings that you should do? Yeah, it's 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 a really good question because it's often a, a really sensitive yeah. topic um, because often um, the person is already feeling like they're failing or yeah. you know just just feel like they're they're not coping and yes. then so to to broach it can be really really hard. Yeah. Um, so you know sometimes it can be you know, saying things like, you know, you're doing such a great job and I can see you, you're working really hard here but I'm kind of noticing that you don't seem like yourself or um, that, you know, your spark seems to have gone a bit and is there is there something that I can do to help? Yeah. You know, practical support can always be really helpful but it can sometimes make the person feel like they're not coping. And yeah. So, yeah, it's, it, it, it is it's a, a balance. It's a it? balance, you know, and, and so sometimes, you know, if the person's linked in with a, with a good GP, um, offering to go with them to their GP, so if you're their partner, to go with them and through the course of that, hopefully the GP will ask how they're, they're coping and, yeah. and, and how they're feeling. And and who's qualified to make these diagnoses? I think that's important to cover because... Yeah, well, often the first port of call is the child health nurse yeah. um, and, and most of the child health nurses are, are really well educated in, in looking for signs and symptoms and, and most women are given a screening tool that they have to fill out. So community health nurses, um, GPs, yeah. if someone doesn't want to go through that avenue, you can self-refer to... To a clinical psychologist. Yeah, you, um, so you don't need a referral from your GP. Um it is um, helpful to go through your GP first and, and you then can get a mental health care plan which gives you some um, rebate back on, on the cost of seeing a clinical psychologist. And what's the difference then while we're, we're on this topic of a clinical psychologist versus a psychologist? Because I think there is a difference, isn't there? There is. Um, so we all go through um, four years of training. So psychologists usually do four years of training at university and then clinical psychologists go on to do further specialty training and it ends up being about eight years of training. Um, and, you know, most of us will then keep doing professional development. And you'll subspecialise. So for yourself, you've got a subspecialty in... Yeah, so I, I, I specialise in, you know, antenatal and postnatal yeah. care. So it is important that you do see someone who, who you know, has perhaps done some further study in that area yeah. as well. And especially it's such a significant diagnosis. Yeah. And it really, you know, if you don't get the right diagnosis at the start, it can so affect your 
actual management plan and your treatment plan and how effective that may be. And it's so important for your health and wellbeing to Absolutely. be diagnosed correctly first up. Yeah, and I think the important thing is, you know, that, that it's... It's such a vulnerable time for the mum yeah. and the baby and we know, and, and the dad, and we know that that first 12 months of a, a baby's um, life and attachment to their parents is, is a really important time. Yeah. But I think it's also really important to recognise that um, things, you know, just because it might have got off to a bad start, there's a lot of repair that can be done so that you get things back on track again. It's never too late to, yeah, to do to that. to seek help. Absolutely. And so what are the treatment options for someone that you've diagnosed with postnatal depression, whether that's a male or, or a, a woman or a man going through it? Yeah, well, uh, the first thing we sort of look at, uh, at is, is obviously the supports that people have um, and trying to increase and access increased mm-hmm. support for the parents and, and the baby um, because one of the, the um, things that we find is that people become very isolated when they've got postnatal depression. So increasing supports, some people will obviously need medication um, mm. and that, that is a, an important thing to consider. Um, and do some women worry, oh, if I'm breastfeeding, will it come, you know, there yeah. would be something that I'd be worried about as Absolutely. a woman. Yeah. And so can they, is that a problem or? There's certainly medications that um, are very safe to use. Yeah. Um, during during pregnancy. Yeah, and also during pregnancy as well. Oh, that's good to and, know. Yeah, and, and most of the, the GPs um, and the psychiatrists and King Edward Memorial Hospital is excellent as well that, um, you know, they they have all the resources around, you know, mothers that have had to have medication yeah. during pregnancy. And if uh, and then you may not need uh, medication, you may just come and have sessions with a clinic. Yeah, so regular regular sessions. sessions. Um, so we look at doing, you know, some cognitive behavioural therapy. We do a lot of um, what's called acceptance therapy, mindfulness therapy, but also attachment-based therapy as well. And that's been very effective? Very, very effective, yeah. yeah. Um, without treatment, um, postnatal depression is unlikely to go away. Um, and it's not something that's going to go away quickly, so it's not a quick fix that's, you know, six weeks and it's all better. Um, It's usually a matter of of months. Of time. Yeah. 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 And have you got success stories of where you've had um, women or men that have come and seen you and, you know, they've come through that dark time to... Absolutely. Enjoying their life and enjoying their, their lovely children. Yeah, absolutely. I've, I've um, worked with a number of, of clients who um, have, have come, you know, at a very vulnerable stage where they have felt quite hopeless that they'll ever have a, a, a good attachment with their babies. And o- over time, and some of them, you know, have had to come for a year for, for yeah. weekly to fortnightly therapies and... Um, I had one that came back to visit fairly recently um, oh. who I'd worked a lot with and, and um, she has a beautiful attachment with her little boy. Um, it all got back on track again and she was very despairing that it ever would. Yeah. Um, but she was very open to seeking help and, and her partner was very open to seeking oh, help as lovely. well. And yeah. They accepted that they needed to, you know, use a little bit of daycare as well because they didn't have any family here in Perth. Yeah. and. Um, and things got back on track. I think it's all about, um, as you said, that key word of accepting that mm. things aren't okay and that being open to for help. 
and seeking the right help at the right. I suppose there's never a wrong time to seek help. It's, no. It's knowing that it's always around you and it's just being open to to going and... Yeah, and, and realising that the people that, you know, you're, you're going to see uh, are not not going to judge you in, in any way at all, that there's a, there are a lot of people that, that like yourself, will be struggling um, and that, you know, the adjustment to being a parent is it's the hardest thing, I think, that, you know, a lot of people will ever do. Yeah. Um, and it's not all wonderful. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I think it's uh, about admitting that, isn't it? That yeah. I think everyone um, needs to be more uh, honest about how hard it is. Absolutely, yeah. And yeah. how it's that roller coaster of ups and downs and it's all very normal. Abs- absolutely, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I think the more we normalise the abnormal, we'd probably be uh, more open to reaching out for help. Yeah, I think I think there's a, there's a tendency to kind of glamorise yeah. everything. Instagram <laughs> and all these social yeah. media platforms. <laughs> um, so if you do have a loved one, uh, there's the free uh, phone lines as well, Beyond Blues, uh, 1300 224 6636 and Lifeline 131114. Um, so there's some help phone lines that people can contact Yes. For counselling. Yeah, and there's also um, centres like the Raphael Centre, the Elizabeth Centre, who specialise specifically in um, mother-baby work. Yeah. Um, and we ha- we're really lucky in Perth. We have the mother-baby units. Oh, um, where mums and babies can go in um, to get support. Yeah. Um, we've got two of those um, one in Subiaco and I think one out in Murdoch. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, the, the, there's also clinical psychologists who specialise in in postnatal work, the psychiatrists that specialise in that as yeah. well. Yeah, and I think it's important. I mean, I'll we'll be definitely giving your website because um, I, I was reading that. It was a fantastic resource, but it's always good to read the biographies on yeah. the clinical psychologists so you can actually see what areas they specialise in. Absolutely. Um, I read yours and I was, I need to speak to this lady about (laughs) postnatal depression Um, because also you're the people that know all the networks. Yes. And I think once you get help from the right people, that's the other part of it. Absolutely. You're not only getting that direct referral from an expert in that area but they have all the networks and get your resources from which is so beneficial. Yes, yeah, and and GPs are, you know, obviously very, very helpful Absolutely. Um, with that as well. Um, yeah. You know, and, and there's also King Edward Memorial Hospital as well, which obviously is our um, mother and baby hospital too, who do some amazing work. They've got a psychology um, medical department there. Yeah. Um, so, you know, there's, we, we are very fortunate in Perth. We do have a lot of good resources. Good support. Oh, yeah. that's fantastic. So if you've got a loved one who's suffering, um, it's about broaching it with compassion. And non-judgment. Non-judgment. Sensitivity. <laughs> which is not easy for all of us. Yeah, absolutely. And sometimes you just want to fix it and um, you might not be the one to fix it because they may be more responsive to hearing it from someone else. Um, and that can be really hard too. Yeah, no, but it's um, and as you say, but the, it's it, even if it's just taking someone or 
um, babysitting a little one while they can go to a GP Absolutely. or they can have a session with a clinical site. Yeah, we have um, some lovely grandmas that come and sit in our waiting room while oh, nice. their babies um, are either in here with us or they can be taken back out to grandma if they're unsettled. But, um, you know, the, the match between who you see is probably really important that you yes. feel comfortable with the person that you're working with as well. And I think there's research about that, isn't there, that often um, compliance and patients often do get better if through the connection, having a good relationship with their doctor, with their health provider, yeah. with their health professional is paramount. Absolutely, um, yeah. yeah. And I think people think, oh, I'll just tolerate it or they'll get put off by mm. one visit and uh, they don't yeah. realise that it's okay that maybe it just wasn't the right person for them. Yeah, and sometimes the first visit is obviously really hard because you feel so vulnerable and, yeah. and and there's a lot of questions asked. So I'd really encourage, if you can, to do more than one visit. Um, and you know, persist. Persist for, for a few sessions and if you really don't feel like you're connecting with that person, then, you know, it's your choice to to get a referral to someone else yeah. or to self-refer to someone else yeah and I think that's also important to realize is that you can come and not have to go to your GP if you want to see someone like yourself a clinical psychologist you can self-refer yes and if that's how you feel more comfortable otherwise see a general practitioner and maybe discuss a mental health plan as yeah. an option absolutely if, if that might be the right option for you yes everyone's different yeah 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 thank you for listening to this podcast some important contacts to note vivid psychology website if you're living in perth is vividpsychology.com.au or phone beyond blue on 1300 224636 or the men's helpline which is men's line australia 1300 789 978 Please know help is always available and you are never alone. You've been listening to MediTalk, a podcast talking all things medical in a way that you can understand. You can follow MediTalk podcast on Instagram and Facebook. If you haven't yet, please take a minute to subscribe, rate and review this podcast via iTunes or your podcasting app. If you have any health topics you would like to hear discussed, please email them to danae at meditalk.com.au. Thanks for listening.